Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. This morning was a little bit more of a morning. <laughs> uh, we, Kaylee and I went down to Sacramento over the weekend. We got a new piano and uh, for the church that we're going to be replacing this guy with. And, um, you know, me being the, the tech guy that I was, is like, you know, I could probably swap this out in 90 minutes before church starts. What, what could possibly go wrong? Okay, so I thought that, but I didn't do it because as I was carrying it in, I was like, you know, I have a rule, and I, maybe most of you probably haven't heard my rule because I usually say it to the people that are, you know, doing the tech stuff on Sundays with me, is nothing changes an hour before church. Nothing changes. That's just not allowed. Like, if there's an update, it waits. If there's a plug that needs to get unplugged and replugged, it waits. We don't, things don't change an hour before. I don't need that in my life. And so the the guy with new toys in me was, was saying, well, but we, we could. And the, thankfully, the, the cooler head prevailed. And so as I sit down to, to use this piano this morning, nothing worked. <laughs> it's like, I swear, I did not do anything. <laughs> I did not touch that piano. And so I, those of you that came in early saw all of these trays torn up, all of the cabling out of the trays. I was tracing cables back. It was, it was an adventure. And finally, we found that there's maybe some issues with our board that I'm going to deal with later. So that's in the back of my head, but we're getting rid of that now. And it's been a morning, but it fits. And it fits because there is joy to be had in the midst of hardship. Amen. That in the midst of (laughs) frustration, in the midst of so many cables, in the midst of things not working the way you think they should, in the midst of plans um, not functioning, there is still joy to be had. Do you need a reminder about that sometimes? That there is still joy everyday joy in the midst of difficulty. Last time we talked very much about that, about how there is joy to be had in the midst of suffering and that the experiences in our lives that, that we have, have looked at and viewed as obstacles that are stopping our progress, that are hindering our spiritual development are in fact opportunities for us to further the gospel of Christ in ways that maybe we wouldn't have chosen ourselves that God can ultimately still use those obstacles, those hardships in our life for his glory. Today we're going to talk about why it's never a good idea for me as a follower of Christ to try and take on this journey that we're on alone. A significant portion of how we follow Jesus is the manner in which we follow him together. 
And it's fitting that we would be talking about our congregational meeting after this topic today because it's talking about how we as a congregation, how we as a a body of Christ have come together and the fruit of that coming together. There are lots of people that want to follow Jesus on their own. There's a, a common theme a common topic or, or sentiment that comes up when you get pastors together. And, you know, obviously we say it jokingly. Being a pastor and, coincidentally enough, working in IT um, are both extremely easy until people are involved. Um, I can work with computers all day long as long as there is not another person involved in that process. Once the other person gets involved, it's a whole different dynamic that you have to deal with. <laughs> Being a pastor is the easiest thing in the world <laughs> until there is another person that is involved and another relationship. And, and, you know, obviously we're joking. We're here because we love each other. I, I, please understand my heart. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying otherwise. Sometimes the way people follow Jesus on their own is by becoming an anonymous church attender. They wait until the service is maybe five minutes in. We, they sneak in and we, we kind of sit in the back and maybe then I don't have to talk to anybody, right? So that's kind of nice. And then, <laughs> and then as soon as the, the message is done. They are the first person to that door. They have their keys ready in their hand. They are just ready to jump into their car as soon as they can, and they make it out. And if they make it out without talking to a single person, that, that is a successful Sunday. They, they achieved what they wanted. They, they received from the pastor. They were able to worship the way they wanted to worship, and they didn't have to interact with anyone else. And here's what I would say to that is that that person is still receiving from God. Absolutely. They're, they're still receiving, but I would say they are receiving a, such a small portion of what God is making available. The, the local church, the church body plays a critical role in the development of a follower of Christ. There's some interesting statistics. And this first one's kind of scary. The number one reason why a person joins a church, 90% of people say that the number one reason that a person joins the church is the sermon. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> like, I got, we got to make sure I bring the A game, otherwise we are sunk. <laughs> but here's the other interesting part of that when it comes to somebody making the decision to stay at a church, only 38% of people say that that matters. 25% of people say that a small group is the reason that they would choose to join a church, but then 55% of people say that they're staying at a church because of that. 12% of people say that Sunday school or children's church or a children's program is, is important when they're choosing a church, but then 62% of people stay at a church because of that. You can go 
anywhere and find somebody who's going to preach better than me. <laughs> you can, if you are not happy with the message that you are hearing from me on any given Sunday, just go down the road. I'm, I am sure there are going to be other people that are going to be preaching better than me on any given Sunday. There will be a church that has better worship, that has people that are playing the drums and guitar, that have lasers and fog machines and light shows. There are going to be churches that have an amazing children's program with water slides and a merry-go-round in the back field. There, there are going to be churches that have these amazing things. But the fact of the matter is, is we see from these statistics, people don't choose to go to churches for those reasons. They choose to go because of the people. They choose to stay because of the people, because of the relationship. I want this church to be a church where your best friends are. I want this church to be the church you look at and say, this, I, this is my family. I, I wouldn't... I, when I'm not with my family, I miss my family. Philippians 1, 27 through 30 is what we're going to be looking at this morning. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. What's the standard that we follow? Jesus. Jesus is the, the standard that I compare my life to. Jesus is the standard that we compare the body of Christ to, that we compare our church to. And Paul says, I want your life the, the people in, in, that he's writing to, the Philippians, he says, I want your life to reflect Jesus. You need to make the process, the, the life's work of following Jesus, everything. I have a very, very important point for us to real, realize this morning. Remember, recognize Jesus did not forgive all of your sins so that you would live for him halfway. Jesus didn't forgive all of your sins so that you would live for him halfway. I love the word entirety. totality, wholeness. What were the words that Jesus said when he was on the cross? He said, it is finished. 
These words are supposed to describe just how much of my life is supposed to be dedicated to the one that paid the price for it. I'm supposed to be dedicating my life in its entirety, in in its totality. I am supposed to, to give of myself everything because everything was given for me. We are called to strive to be worthy. We just said that he is worthy. We are to strive to be worthy of that sacrifice, of that that gift that was given. But here's the kicker. We're supposed to strive to be worthy after the gospel, not before. Because you, you can't, You can't earn it. We've already talked about that. You can't earn salvation. You can't earn the gift that Jesus is is offering from the cross, but you can strive to be worthy after you've received it and say, God, there is no way I can repay this debt, but I'm going to live my life in such a way that when people see it, they recognize that there is something different about me. There is something that is changed because of what you have done in my life. Salvation was never a paycheck for living the right way. The demonstration of God's love should now compel us to live in accordance to the way that we've been called. Paul says, I want to hear about you. And it's kind of funny. He says, I might come or I might not. It kind of reminds you of that that kid who's being left home alone and the parent says, I'll, I'll, I'll be home and you know, make sure you don't, don't make a mess or, or have, any, have a problem. And the kid's like, well, what time are you coming home? <laughs> they just want to make sure everything's right before then, right? <laughs> and so I, I kind of imagine the Philippians like, well, are you coming or not? <laughs> All of a sudden, Paul shows up and he's like, oh, dad's here. Let's get things cleaned up. Paul says, I want to hear good things about you. I shouldn't have to be there. Paul's saying, you know, my presence with you should not be what causes you to live a godly life. You should have that as a desire within you, regardless of whether I'm with you or not. My decisions, my, my choices, the actions that, that come out of my life should be affected by whether or not they are worthy of Jesus and not whether or not they're witnessed by somebody else. Live right, not because Paul is in the room but because Jesus is. It's kind of interesting. Once, once we became pastors in the church, there were, were certain people, and they're not here, so don't, I don't want anybody to be like, was it me? Uh, <laughs> there were people that, that you could tell just started treating you differently. That didn't, have the same types of conversations, didn't, didn't do the same types of things around you. And, and it's interesting because it's like, well, I mean, 
I'm just a guy. But if, if you're concerned about doing those things around me, shouldn't we be concerned about doing those things around Jesus as well? And it's interesting when, when we look at, at Paul talking about you in the, these passages, you know, it's, it's good to single yourself out sometimes, right? <laughs> that's, that's healthy to, to take some responsibility. But when we look at the you that he's using, he's using the plural you. He's talking to all of the church. All of you are called to live this way as a body of Christ. It's not a matter of singling a specific person out. And here's the important part. The plural you cannot live a worthy life. We cannot live a worthy life if the singular you is not living a worthy life. If I am just choosing to go my own way, but then I show up to church on Sunday, I'm like, let's do this. How's that supposed to work? Our singular reputations affect the family. Hmm. Church is a group project. When you guys went to school, did you ever have group projects? And was that ever something where you're just like, man, I hate group projects? <laughs> Some people maybe really liked group projects. Those were maybe like the social people. I was never really a very social person. I know it's hard to imagine that, but um, <laughs> but I, I wasn't. And you know, I I got good grades in school, and it was just I always felt like, well, gosh, now I'm I'm doing this, and I'm just doing it for everyone else too now, and <laughs> it just created a lot of extra work. But the fact of the matter is, I mean, it is relevant to understand how to work with other people. It's important to know how to, to set expectations. And you know what that represented in me doing it for other people? A lack of boundaries. <laughs> if I would have just said, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what you need to do. And, you know, set those boundaries ahead of time, I probably would have had a much healthier interaction. But I never did. That's just not the way I worked. But Church is a group project. Sometimes, and, and what my experience in a group project rep, uh, really demonstrates very accurately is sometimes Lone Ranger Christianity just feels safer. Sometimes it just feels a whole heck of a lot easier. If I don't have to show up and interact with everyone, then I can just do my own thing. I can be successful in what I know how to do and nobody gets in my way. There was a bike race, and there were uh, just all of this, an amateur bike race. This wasn't like Tour de France or anything like that. And so there was all of these amateur bike riders that were, were doing this race, and then there was this, this pro who showed up, and, and everybody said, man, if he is in this race, we're, we're just riding for second place. There, there is no way that we can, can win in this race. And so everybody shows up on the, the day of the race. They're all on their bikes and they, they go. And throughout the course of the race, this pro is just falling further and further and further behind. 
until finally they, they get to the finish line and, and they start asking, well, gosh, why? You came in last place. He says, well, a tandem bike is a lot harder to ride when you just have one person on it. <laughs> you can't be, you can be the professional, you can be the best at what you do, but if you're riding a tandem bike by yourself, it's never, ever, ever going to work. And you're going to kill yourself when you try. <laughs> this is why we need to have supporters around us. This is why we need our family with us as we go through this life. Question for you. Does Jesus want us to love other people? If any of you say no, we need to talk after church, okay? Yes, Jesus wants us to love other people. Does he want us to love people outside of these four walls? Good, okay, we're, you are all passing so far. Uh, here is an interesting point. If you look in John 13, we are called to love one another. But when we're called to love one another, that directive, that instruction isn't talking about loving one another outside of the church. The directive that is being given to the disciples at that time is you are supposed to love the people that are around you, the family that is around you, the other disciples that are in this group, this church family, if you will, and in doing that, in loving one another, other people are going to look in and see how you love one another, and they will want that love too. What does it mean to stand firm? If you look at the, the Roman soldier example, which is very prominent in the, the letters that Paul writes, one of the, the defensive mechanisms that the Roman soldier would use would be a shield wall. They would have these, these wall shields, these square rectangular shaped shields that they would, would put on the ground that they would lean up against and it would be a wall that the enemy would just try to break through. But as long as everyone stood firm, then everyone would stay safe. We're called to stand firm in one spirit. You always hear that, that phrase, hold the line. There is a common enemy that we are fighting and it isn't the person that's next to you. You ever feel like that sometimes? You ever feel like the, the enemy that you're fighting is somebody that, that actually turns out just to be a, another person in the body of Christ? It's like, is this really what we're supposed to be doing right now? Is this really furthering the kingdom of God? We're called to strive side by side like athletes competing with one another. But my individual efforts, my individual achievements affect the team dynamic. Sometimes we strive for things, 
but maybe it's not the right thing. Sometimes we're, we're striving for the sake of tradition. <laughs> this is the way we've always done it, and I'm going to fight for the way we've always done it. Sometimes we're, we're striving for the, the trend. Sometimes we're striving for musical preferences. Sometimes we're striving for personalized preferential programs. Sometimes we're striving for the way the carpet looks. Well, Matt, churches never get in arguments about carpet color. I beg to differ. <laughs> but I would ask, is that what we are called to be striving for? We're called to strive side by side for the gospel of Christ. Recognizing, sure, those things are important. It's important to have the right kind of music that, that achieves the goal that's trying to be achieved. It's important to have carpet. But is that what we're supposed to be focusing on? We, we aren't supposed to be making that the priority. We're not supposed to be focusing on those things. We're supposed to be striving together, not going alone. We're called to be striving for the gospel that God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus to die a sinner's death on a cross. So that whoever believed in him wouldn't die, but would have eternal life. That's what we're supposed to be striving for. So much more important than the color of a carpet. A church will never completely unite under preferences. We have to be guided by the gospel of Jesus. In verse 28 through 30, we see that there are opponents to what it is that, that we've been called to. Our opponents not only want to come against us, but they also want to come between us. That's why it's so important. If, if the Roman soldiers ever had an, if they left a gap in between one another, how effective would that wall be? He says, well, I see that shield. I'm now walking around that shield. And then they get stabbed. So, of course, that's not how it works. We're supposed to come together so that there isn't a gap. And so they're not, the opponents are not only coming against us, but also between us. Who's your enemy? It's, it's kind of weird and not something we do very often to, to stop and really think for a moment. Do you have enemies? We know we all have one. Satan. Satan, the, the enemy of our soul, is coming against us, is, is striving to divide us. But there are people that can be our enemy as well. There are people that want to bring you back down to their level so that they don't feel guilty about doing the things that they've been doing. There are people that, that fight within the church. Division is from the enemy. 
when we stand firm together, when we stand firm as followers of Christ, it signals to our enemies that, that our hope in salvation is greater than our fear of suffering. Just like we talked about last week, the suffering that has been put in our path is something that we can stand upon and say, even so, even in the midst of this hardship and difficulty, I can proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is worthy. When we stand strong, we, we stand together. And when we stand together, it means that we aren't going to allow one person to, to just be off on their own. We, we come together, and in coming together, we provide protection for one another. There is this funny story about this, this family that lived, I think, somewhere in the south, and there was these just random stray dogs that kept wandering into this family's backyard, and there was like three or four kids that would always play in the backyard, and the dad said, hey, if, if a dog comes in, you know, don't all of you just go run and scatter. Stick together and come inside and, and it'll be fine. And so the kids are like, okay. And so they're, sure enough, they're, they're all out in the yard one day and these dogs come into the backyard and they decided instead of coming inside, they would stick together and they would chase the dogs off. And so one of them's uh, just squirting them with a, a, a a super soaker squirt gun. One of them's banging trash can lids and they're all just chasing these dogs out of their yard. And they're probably, these dogs have like PTSD now out in the, the corner somewhere. But they're like, well, okay, that would, that's another way to do it. But you, they're sticking together. And in sticking together, they're achieving what it is that they're supposed to be achieving. You cannot obey all of the one another's in the Bible by attempting discipleship, by attempting to follow Christ on your own. There are 59 statements in the New Testament that talk about one another. You're to serve one another. You're to love one another. You're to pray for one another. You're to instruct one another. I mean, the list just goes on and on and on and on. And if you try to do Christianity on your own, saying, I've got this, I don't need anybody else, you are just in that single action alone, disobeying at least 59 commandments in the New Testament. So while I understand that the appeal of one person, single player Christianity is, is something that, that is attractive I've got to tell you, church, it is just downright not biblical. That, that is not how it works. If that was how it was supposed to work, honestly, there are a lot of things we could all be doing besides sitting here listening to me this morning. Isolated Christianity doesn't work because he has made the church necessary for growth. Can you grow in your quiet time? when it's just you and Jesus? Absolutely. But it's not everything.
So the question that, that we have to ask ourselves this morning as we close up is how connected are you to the body of Christ? And I'm not looking for a show of hands. I'm not looking for a public declaration, but I want us to stop and think this morning. You know, are there, are there those times where you're, you're ready to just be the, the single-player Christian, where you show up and, you know, maybe if I just wait a few minutes until they start singing, I can just sit down <laughs> and not have to talk to all those people? Are you maybe the one who's got your keys ready to, to rush out to your cars? And let's be clear, I'm not looking for you guys to stay here like an hour after service, okay? People want to go home, okay? I, I get that. <laughs> but, but what is your motivation? Are you connected to the body of Christ? Do you, do you know your family? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the family that you have put around us. God, we thank you that we can strive with one another for the, the kingdom of God, for the furthering of the gospel of Christ. That we can stand firm, united under your banner, under your standard. And Lord, as we take the time this morning to look at our lives, to look at our actions. God, help us to live in a way that is worthy so that the plural we, the plural you, is also worthy. God, we thank you that we have this time that we can come together and that you can speak to us through your word. We ask that you would cause us to be effective as we go into our week, as we have the conversations that you have put before us, as, as we work and develop and grow in the relationships that are a part of our life. God, cause our, our lives and our, our words and our actions to be that testimony that points others to you, that others look to you and see, I want to be that way. I want what they have. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like more information about Wood Street Chapel, check out our website, woodstreetchapel.org, or email us, info at woodstreetchapel.org. Connect with us on Facebook to stay in the loop. 